The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. Hey everyone, it's Ben from Gravity. Real quick before we get into today's episode, a quick announcement for you. If you listened through all the way to the end of our last episode with Casey Tigret on his new book, The Gift of Restlessness, you will know that we are in partnership with Broadleaf Books running a book giveaway. Uh, two free copies of Casey's new book were offered by Broadleaf very generously to our listeners. And so we invited y'all to Uh, email us if you would like to be entered into that contest. So over the last week, we have collected those email addresses from everybody who entered the contest and wanted to announce the winners. Our winners are, drum roll please, if I had, I I do have some uh, sound effects, but I don't think I have a drum roll, unfortunately. Anyway, um, just imagine a drum roll happening right now. Great. Our winners are Alan Morton and Tristan Ferry. So thanks to everybody who uh, entered the book giveaway. Congratulations to our winners. We'll reach out to you via email to get your mailing address. And uh, listen, uh, I guess, to our podcast. Maybe we'll do stuff like this in the future. It's kind of fun to give away books. And um, we're happy to give away Casey's book uh, to Alan and Tristan. It's a very good book. Uh, So anyway, that's it. That's the announcement. On to the episode. Hey yo, everybody! Hey hey! Greetings. You heard the voices of Christy Penley and Ben Sternke. I'm Matt Tebby, and we are having a little chat today about something that we do all the time, which is um, all of us are all the time parenting. Hundred <laughs> percent uh, of the time, Christy, Never not parenting. Hundred percent of the time. Uh, Christy's got six children. I sure do. Mm-hmm. Ben's got four, mm-hmm. but some of them are adults. Yes. Christy, some of yours are adults too. Right. Yeah. And then I've got two. And uh, recently, I've been thinking a lot about how challenging it is as a parent to not only figure out how to love your kid in the way that they need, but then as soon as you kind of figure something out, like your kids change. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my my son has recently hit puberty and all puberty is breaking loose (laughs) and i no longer i no longer feel like i know what i'm doing and what he needs and how to connect with him so we thought it would be 
I don't know, appropriate, just for us maybe, and listener, maybe for you, to chat about, uh, I don't know, temptations or pitfalls in parenting, ways that we maybe find ourselves parenting that are not effective or less helpful, and then using that as a springboard to chat about what we've learned through all our mistakes. So, Christy, you are, uh, you're going to, you're going to kind of lead us here today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someday I'm going to write an article about, and then this is going to be this, it. Yeah. This about this. Yeah. We're talking about <laughs> but, but not today. <laughs> but not today. We're just talking about it today. Yeah. This is how I process. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul and I, I, I mean, I think just with our six kids um, ranging from 24 to 10, there are just a lot of mistakes mm. that we've made, a lot of mistakes that yeah. we've made. And so all of these things that we're going to talk about, we are bringing to the table because we've done them. We are doing them mm-hmm. and um, trying to learn instead and do it a different way, a better way um, where we don't parent just for behavior, but we actually are parenting for character development because mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. behavior is like really – Sometimes just what I want. <laughs> get in the car, put your seatbelt right. on, get your shoes on, right. whatever. Yeah. Compliance. Um, Compliance. Right. Yeah. Um, but if, if I sit back and think about it, mm-hmm. no, I, I do want the heart. I want, mm-hmm. you know, be, I want to be proactive than reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes some intentionality. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, like for us, just a lot of learning yeah. <laughs> and doing yeah. it wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so listener, then uh, just a signal to y'all. Uh, we are going to share. You've written down like seven pitfalls or seven, seven, yeah, seven, seven pitfalls, and yeah, and I and I want I just want the listener to know like if if some of these are on the nose for you, if you feel like we're reading your mail, take a deep breath. Like mm-hmm. uh, we want, uh, there's going to be some hope in this, but first we want to commiserate with how difficult it is to parent. Mm-hmm. And name some of the things that your your intuition probably already tells you. Yeah. Gosh, there's got to be another way to do yeah. this. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really good. Maybe we can just even remind uh, listeners as we go um, that yeah, the, it's it is the first the first uh, part of any change process is sort of naming reality, naming what's happening. Um, and oftentimes, <laughs> the reason we don't want to name what's happening is we feel ashamed uh, or frustrated about that, um, and it feels easier to. Uh, not look at it, you know, it's kind of square in the face. So anyway, deep breaths can help <laughs> as Matt said, yeah. to just look at it. I'll be breathing. It's, it's okay. Like there's no condemnation in this. There's only compassion. Uh, and, um, and then hopefully some, you know, some change on the horizon. So. All right. Well, Christy, why don't you, uh, why don't you name the seven and then we'll just go one by one. Yeah. So these seven, what we called parenting mistakes that we've done. Uh, one is talk parenting bribe parenting, excuse parenting, shame parenting, which unfortunately is very effective, hover parenting, (laughs) blind parenting, and backwards parenting. All right. Talk, bribe, excuse, shame, hover, blind, backwards. That's right. Let's let's start with talk, which... I don't don't know what you got against talking, Christy. I was going to say, is the answer (laughs) for this one, just stop speaking to your children? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe uh, unpack that a bit. What are you referring to when you talk about talk parenting? Give us a yeah. story or how that how that goes down. Yeah, talk parenting is kind of repeating yourself with no uh, expectation of actual obedience. Um, mm. And so, hmm. like, 
your toddlers at the table and um, you're like, they get up from the table and they are just start walking away from dinner and you kind of say, get back in your chair and finish your meal. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and they have no intent to actually like get back in the chair and finish their meal and they just keep on walking. And so then you say it again, like, Hey Lucy, come on back. And then, you know, you just keep saying it, but you're not actually like, there's no, change yell parenting is just a louder version of this right (laughs) i was gonna say yell yell parenting so it sounds like christy this one this one has to do with you're you're trying to you're basically just uh you're assuming sort of unknowingly assuming uh, or implicitly you're assuming that the problem is the child didn't hear you right yeah yeah yeah, but but they don't actually like there's there's no follow through right. for actual obedience right, right in right. the kid's mind, um, and and the result of that is that the child learns to ignore your instructions. Right, right. What you say doesn't actually hmm. matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, this is this is also referred to in our house as get off the shed parenting. Yeah. Remember that old <laughs> Will Ferrell skit sketch. from yeah. Saturday Night Live? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm resonating with this, Christy. Like I've I've got a we're trying to teach our kids how to use. Uh, electronics, screens, etc. Well, and so my 14-year-old has a cell phone that he bought and has a limited sort of data package on. And then my daughter, who's 11, has an old phone that she uses on Wi-Fi to, she loves to shoot videos of herself, like dancing or doing makeup, etc. Um, and I find, I find myself saying, will you please get off your phone about 75 times a day? Right. And, I, and, and I get trapped in this talk parenting thing like the 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 request or the command seems to be increasingly just ignored. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the question begs is like, okay, what's the antidote? What do we do with this? And I, mm-hmm. please hear me, listener. Uh, I'm not giving you the antidote because we do this every time. But I think this is like as we process through so much of our talk parenting to our six kids, we're realizing that, oh, well, immediate and consistent action is really the antidote to just talk parenting. If Mm. I, um, you know, if Lucy gets up from the table and walks away and I get up out of my chair and say, bring her back to the table and say, hey, sweetheart, we're going to sit at the table and finish dinner and then you can play with toys. Um, But if I just let her do her own thing, which – let me just say, parenting is tiring, right? We get exhausted mm-hmm. and getting up from the table and bringing her back to the table is like, I don't want to do that. I just want her to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's where yell parenting comes in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but it takes effort. It takes intentionality on our part to have immediate and consistent action in whatever we're saying to them. Yeah. yeah. So there's a, and that's on the part of the parents is, is saying, yeah, um, treat your words like they matter. Like they actually like, we're actually in a conversation and we're trying to communicate here. Um, right. And if, if they are ignored, well, you know, then take some action um, that is commiserate mm-hmm. with being ignored, you know, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, when your kids are older, I'm just thinking about my kids are older. Actually, my youngest daughter just turned 18. And uh, so I think I have four adult children. I think I put that in my bio now, you know, um, mm. But, you know, obviously when when it's Lucy getting up from the table, our fictional child here who, you know, wants to go play, um, I think it's different with, you know, little kids, like little toddlers where you can actually pick them up, right, and put them in their right. car seat, put them places, right? That that I think is appropriate action. When they're older, obviously, the action I think needs to be something different. 
Um, and for me, it's always, it's always felt uh, helpful to have a different kind of conversation. And for me, I, I usually have to admit my frustration to my child. Hey, I find myself frustrated because I'm, I'm repeating the thing that I am wanting to get across to you, but it doesn't seem to be getting across mm-hmm. to you and it doesn't seem to be helping. So can we talk about that? Can we talk about that dynamic? Um, can you tell me what's going on for you when you hear me say this, what's happening for you? You, you know, and oftentimes that, op- that opens up something new and we can have a, yep. a conversation about the conversation that we were having that's not working. Right. Okay. We, yeah. uh, you know, our kids uh, have, some of them have technology. And I was just talking to a mom the other day and she was saying that her 14 year old keeps asking for more time on his phone. Like, you know, there's uh, limits as to how often he can text or, you know, whatever the things are. And it becomes this constant thing. And she's like, I have said it a hundred times. Like you get the one hour and then after the one hour, there's no more. Like, but she's like, he just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's immediate and like, like action that you could take when he keeps asking for that. And so she came up with like, every time he asks for more time, she's taking five minutes away. (laughs) And so it's like just going down, right? And I tell you what, about one day of that in yeah. like 35 minutes of decreased time later, mm-hmm. boyfriend isn't asking over and over and over. He knows no, that when mom some... says you get one hour, that is your time. Um, and she's being consistent in that. But that's hard. Yeah, it's really hard. hard. It is hard. So. Uh, sometimes I feel like I need a parent as I'm parenting, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so talk parenting, number one, the get-off-the-shed parenting. Uh, yes. Bri- number two, you said bribe parenting. I think I know what this is. Uh, yeah. Trying to, but but give us give us a little bit more about that. Yeah, this is where you promise a special reward for standard behavior. Um, <laughs> oh, standard behavior. Standard like behavior. Stop, like if you if you if you eat your dinner or stop screaming at me, yes. I'll give you candy. Yes. Yeah. Get in your car seat and buckle in and I'll give you French fries. Or if you like Mm. are just obedient to me right now, then later on this week, I'll take you to trampoline world or whatever the thing is. And you're just like, no, these are just normal things that everybody has to do. You got to get in the car. Mm -hmm. You got to put your shoes on, you know, whatever. Um, And really that is just training your child to disobey until they get something for themselves. Yeah. We saw this a lot. Probably, you see it a lot with toddlers, like little kids, when they're like kind of screaming and throwing temper tantrums. But the reality is like teenagers can do this too. They can throw a teenage temper tantrum and mm-hmm. and parents are just like, stop doing that and then I'll give you something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think I think the, the antidote is recognize uncoerced character. Like hmm. really, really um, celebrate – the character things that you see in your kid when they don't even know that you're watching. Um, and so we have a, we have like a, a chalkboard thing that I write everybody's name on. Um, and, and we like put prayer requests and all this kind of stuff. Well, when, when I see my kid, any of them, even my 24 year old, which is kind of funny, he still wants to be a part of this. (laughs) When I see him doing things that are just beautiful and good and like he's not doing it because mom and dad are watching whatever um then there's like stars on the chart Mm. and then we do something special for the kid later on once i see like oh like soren did this thing for his sister or helped his brother with his math homework or whatever the thing it wasn't Mm. asked to do it you're just being kind you're being a giver and so um 
actually just yesterday, Soren had a uh, morning off. And so I took him to Chick-fil-A and like, let's just have breakfast together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen these things in you and I just want to celebrate them. Yeah. Yeah. I think hmm. one of the things that I, um, you know, a lot of my parenting reflections are often sort of uh, thinking about things I wish I would have done differently, you know? Uh, your yeah. kids, kids are older now and there's some, there's some things that you can kind of correct, but then the other thing that you're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's probably part of why they're in therapy now. So, um, but I, I mean, I, I just, but, um, but only a little, um, but I think one of the things that I read recently about, and this relates to bribing kids. One of the things I read recently that I really resonated with me was, um, kids oftentimes, like we oftentimes will think of our kids as these little like selfish monsters who are just trying to like get candy, um, that, that kind of a thing. And I, and I, there was a, a kind of a paradigm shift, um, in what I was reading where they said, kids think they want candy, like kids are like us where they think they, they think they know what they want. That's going to fulfill, you know, the, these deep desires that they have. But they, they're really their desire is for connection. It's for belonging. Yeah. It's for relationship. Like that is actually what kids want. They don't just want candy. Um, they just want to feel good. And, you know, candy sort of like makes them feel good. And so that's what they think they want. Yeah. And a big part of parenting, you know, th- that I wish, I, I wish I could have like parented my kid when they were younger, thought of them as people who needed connection from me, who people who needed you know, that, that kind of a thing. And I think one of the things, one of the, mis- one of the reasons that bribe parenting is a mistake is that we sort of buy into the, we buy into the, the paradigm that says that actually what these kids want and what they, and, and the good things that come to them are gifts, candy, money, you know, like the things that we try to bribe them with, we, we almost reinforce that for them to say, yeah, this is good. This is the good thing that, that I'm going to give you. When actually maybe the good thing that we can give them is our attention, our care, mm-hmm. you know, our compassion, uh, connecting with them when they're throwing a temper tantrum because they have this need that's not being met, you know, but it's not yeah. a need for candy. You're not, it's a need for right. connection. Um, so yeah. anyway. <laughs> and now a word from a sponsor. The Gravity Podcast is sponsored by the Gravity Formation Course, a 12-month cohort-based training in practical spiritual formation, where you'll learn to notice how God is already at work in your life so you can participate more fully in the life God shares with us. It's a discipleship process that goes beyond just gaining more knowledge and trying some new practices. In the Gravity Formation Course, we go below the surface of our lives so we can notice and name our deepest desires in God's presence and discern how God is at work in those desires to lead us toward holistic flourishing. More transformation, more life, more joy, more love. We've trained hundreds of people from all over the world in this formation framework, and it has helped many to have a sense of God at work in their lives and learn to be more at home in God's love. If you'd like to learn more, Go to gravitycommons.com slash formation. All right, let's get back into our conversation. I'll just say this here, like bribe parenting can be really effective in the short term. Yeah, it can. Like if I'm looking for immediate, if I'm looking for immediate motivations to get kids to do what I want, I can come up with a bribe to do that. I think for me, what I notice is twofold. One, it it shifts the balance of power really uh, away from 
kind of a it, it offloads a responsibility that I have to to love my kid into this transactional negotiation of I will I will respect you and honor you if you give me something. Right. And I think that that over time can be a really, I don't know, it's not the kind of relationship I want with anybody, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the other, the other part of this is um, one of the one of the things I'm learning, and we might talk about this later, is like when my kids do good in school. I used to say I'm so proud of you, and I've read some stuff about how praising kids for doing well in school actually. Uh, increases in security and anxiety. Right. Yeah, and and um, I've been experimenting with. Hey, you worked really hard on that. You should be really proud of yourself. Yes. Um, so that there's uh, not an external or an extrinsic motivation for doing well in school, but there is learning to and to tap into an intrinsic. Yeah. In, internal motivation for doing well, and I think that's the second part of this bribing thing that makes me uncomfortable, even though it's so work, can work so well. Is that I, I, I actually want a relationship of mutuality and trust with my kids, so that when when I ask them to do something internally, they're they're learning to say yes. Versus I'll do this for you. If you give me what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So talk parenting, bribe parenting. The third is excuse parenting. Yes. All right, Christy. What's this? Excuse parenting is, you know, kind of allowing some sort of excuse or whatever to just dictate why your child is doing the behavior that they're doing. For example, your sixteen oh, year old gets a speeding ticket and the response is, well, they're 16. What else do you expect? They're a teenager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Your infant, you know, the 15-month-old throws a toy at another kid's face and they're like, well, <laughs> they didn't have a nap. So they're just tired, right? Um, and so we just excuse behavior. Uh, one time I was in a play area and uh, another kid bit my child and the parent said, oh, well, they're teething. And I'm like, they're teething. They just like broke the skin of my kid's <laughs> arm. Like, <laughs> let's not just like say that that's okay. Um, and basically, I think in that you're just training your child that the whole world gets to adapt around them and what they want yeah. and how they are. Yeah. Um, well, they never learn. So you basically, you basically are just making excuses for your kids for their bad behavior. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 They never yeah. learn what, accountability, so, right? You know, they can't, right. there's always some reason outside of my own, like is what we teach our kids is there's always some reason outside of your control for the things that you do. And so you can't, you should never have to say you're sorry for something, right? Or you should never mm-hmm. be held accountable mm-hmm. for actions, even if you were hangry, you know, um, yeah, or teething. Exactly. Um, yep. you mm-hmm. know, there's, you know, yeah, that makes sense to me. So, yeah, I, I'm noticing, uh, my brain immediately goes to, um, sort of the, I don't know, the other side of the coin of this or the corollary. So, um, so for instance, I, I've, as an adult was diagnosed with ADHD and there were a lot of ways that that presented in my life that as a young kid of impulse control and, uh, distractibility 
um, saying whatever came to mind, and often it was inappropriate. I'm so thankful I've gotten over that. Um, but as a kid, I never do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but as a kid, um, uh, it would have been really helpful for me and those who are caring for me to have some why about why that was happening. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, not yeah. to make excuses, but to, you know, like for instance, kids now are given fidget spinners mm-hmm. so that they can fidget with something so yeah. that they can be more calm and present. So how do we, so that's different though than like, well, my kid's teething, so he's going to bite you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, right. you know, bro, your kid's 15, stop biting me. You know, <laughs> right. like, how do we? <laughs> well, I think the difference is that like parents in excuse parenting are using excuses to disengage from responsibilities of actually forming their children's mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Right. Okay. If, okay. if you are ADD and you need a fidget spinner to focus you, that actually is engaging as a parent to help your child learn, right? But if you're just excusing, like if instead of using a fidget spinner, if they're like punching the kid in front of them and you're like, hey, that's th- this is not mm. going to be acceptable, yeah. let's, let's no use this no. fidget spinner, right? And so I think the antidote of that is really educating um, to do constructive things and you got to do it together. Yeah. So – it's the parent, you know, being proactive, hmm. being engaging to really help the child rather than just make up excuses for allowing them to do whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, yeah I think there's uh, – because this is one this is one of these mistakes that I, you know, uh, didn't tend to do with my kids. I, my, my errors <laughs> – my error, <laughs> the I, opposite I, I, I did the opposite. I made no excuse. There's no excuse for bad behavior, right? Um <laughs> But I can see the wisdom in what you're saying, Matt, that there, you know, there might be reasons that that bad behavior sort of manifests itself. And I think it is possible to do both things, right? It's both it's possible to both compassionately connect with maybe underlying causes, you know, um, whether that's ADHD or hmm. just the lack of a nap or teething or whatever it might be. There, you can compassionately engage with that and, and, and empathize and also call you know, call people into, um, like, how do, how do you deal with this appropriately so that you don't hurt people so that you don't, you know, end up, you know, um, creating difficult situations for yourself and for others. Yeah. Yeah. Chrissy, can I share something about this? Uh, right. I mentioned my 14 year old, Yeah. you know, and, and how his personality has changed with, with the onset of puberty and my wife and I go back and forth, uh, I'm like, I, I, I want to figure out a way to connect with my son. He gives me one-word answers. He doesn't seem like he wants to spend time with us. And my wife will say, well, he's, he's just 14. Like, 14-year-olds go through this. Mm. And part of me is like, okay, that would be really good news if this is just a phase and, and his small body is learning how to accommodate all these big hormones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, but the fear I have is that that's just excusing behavior yeah. that's not – that's not due to puberty. And I actually don't know. I actually don't know. Like, I actually don't know what good parenting looks like in a liminal space of a kid entering puberty, at, you know, at an eighth grader at 14, who's dealing with a whole lot of stuff. Um, and, and what is me making excuses for behavior that I, sh- that I shouldn't tolerate? And what is me accommodating to behavior that is a that is normal and that is just part of somebody differentiating from their parents. 
was good. It's really good. And since Ben has four adult children, I'm sure he has an answer for us. Mm-hmm. Ben, I uh, I don't know. I uh, I do. I, I All resonate. Right, number five. <laughs> I will say, yeah, sorry, to, sorry, guys. Teenagers are a mystery, a black hole of un, yeah. undiscovered. No, I I think I would say though um, that I had I had to learn to relax, like when my kids were teenagers, about just the you know, the one word answers, the, that kind of a thing. I, and I had to, you know, to use our language uh, that we, that we teach people in our spiritual formation process, I had to process my own kairoses that came up for me. Cause oftentimes, like oftentimes it's easy for me to perceive their, to, I don't know, their one word answers. To internalize their behavior. Yeah. Or like to take to, it personally, yeah, to take it personally. And therefore then to treat it as if it's worse than it actually is. Right. And so, yeah. And right, so, right, right, you, right, right. you know, you have to respect me, you know, that kind of response to, you know, somebody who's just feeling like their bodies are filled with hormones and they feel depressed and they, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. I had to process my own kairoses and say, okay, this is, this is about me. I, I got my feelings hurt by my teenager again. And I have to process yeah. that instead of just expecting them to not hurt my feelings. Like I've got to process that and that's, it's okay what they're doing. It's not, you know, it's not terrible behavior. It's you know maybe less than social and less than what I'd like, but um, yes. But for the most part, that has been temporary. Especially as my kids got in, I've got two kids in their twenties, and um, I don't know, their personalities come back, and they you know like they're great. They're some of my favorite people. I love hanging out with my kids. So all right, well, I don't know. That's that's I'll hold on to that. (laughs) I'm. We need to. That was number three. Talk, bribe, excuse. We're going to go on to number four, but I just want to. Uh, put a like a bookmark or a footnote in here for the listener. Um, about a year ago or so, maybe more, we did it. I did an interview with Eric Minton mm. on uh, his book. It's not you; it's everything. Yes. <laughs> and his book is about his book is about how our culture creates a lot of the uh, mental health challenges that we face and experience. And in that book, he talks about parenting that reverses the flow. Mm. So. He talks about parenting, uh, ideal parenting is you as the parent uh, giving your kids what they need for them to grow and flourish and develop. He said, but but um, parenting that reverses the flow is parenting that uses your kids to get your needs met. Yes. Mm, yeah. And I just want to recommend this book. It's really good. But also that little discussion in our podcast uh, is um, keeps coming to mind for me. Um, I think that if I could sum up the antipathies in my below average parenting, it's when I try to get my needs met from my children. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Almost every time. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's really Almost. good, Matt. That's really good. And yeah, well, and not for when, them, it isn't. <laughs> no, not for them. But like that, you can name that. That you see that and name that in our yeah. working through that. Because um, when when I see that in me, it's so gross. I'm like, shoot, like yeah, yeah. I do not want this, and I don't want this for them, and I don't want this for me. <laughs> right. 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 All right. Well, maybe uh, maybe you could say that we experience some shame. In that, Christy, and that is the fourth yes. type of parenting. Yeah, shame, shame great parenting. parenting. Great segue. It's, <laughs> it's demanding obedience before um, you will be kind to your kid again. Um, 
and and it's effective especially for some kids who have certain personalities it can be really effective um so it looks kind of like uh here's one i've done um you know my kids are getting ready to go out the door and they're having a hard time whatever the thing is getting their shoes mm-hmm. on getting their coat on getting their backpack and now we're 10 minutes late and i've literally said to them you have made us late it is your fault yes. right <laughs> Um, more extreme is when your daughter comes home pregnant and you say, what are the Smiths going to think now that you got yourself pregnant? And it's shame parenting. Um, and the result is you, you train your child to believe that they're loved only when they're doing the right thing. Yes. Or, uh, or withholding affection, withholding attention, withholding yourself, as a way of like passive aggressively shaming them so that yeah. they then have to perform or move move towards you to re-engage or re-earn, et cetera. Yep. So like I noticed that in me is like I will I will uh this is like one of my least uh desirable attributes. I'm gonna just share it with everybody, is that I tend to do a lot of pouting. I pout. I really hate it. Um but I also love it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I pout. And, and pouting with my kids looks like sulking and withdrawing yeah. from them and then making them responsible to massage and manage and placate me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just are oldest. I just threw up on my mouth a little bit. I just want you to know. I can relate. I'm with you. Um, in fact, I mean – this is something I'm working through right now. So this is mm-hmm. just maybe a, it feels a little vulnerable. Maybe how okay. you're feeling too, Matt. But yeah, um, we just went on spring break. It was so fun. And before spring break, um, my oldest, an adult, went to go see um, a girl, a friend. That's a girl, mm-hmm. and they like a girlfriend. Yeah, what'd you say? <laughs> I know this is a podcast. I can't publicly say. I don't know if that's like official, but anyway, he went and he missed part of our family vacation. And I was pissed. I was mad. Mm. And he came, he came late. He flew in and he was with us. And I'm telling you guys, it probably took me three days. We, I messed up. I was having a great time with the other five children. Mm. And with him, I was just pouting, angry, like withholding. I, I can see it now. You know, I was I was excusing it as like I'm I'm figuring out my stuff. Like I can make it sound so spiritual, right? Mm. Um, but the reality was it was just shame parenting to a 24 year old, <laughs> and who did who chose to do something that I didn't want him to choose to do, and I yeah. wanted him to apologize 15 times before I would actually forgive him and move on. Yeah, yeah. And it it's ugly. Yeah. It's really ugly. Yeah, I think the one you know uh, how I said that I. I didn't make the excuse parenting mistake. Um, this, you know, this is one I probably majored in. Um, and I, yeah, you're right. It's uncomfortable to talk about it. Um, and I think part of the reason it's so effective is that it's so devastating, right? Yeah. It's like, it's so effective at, and when you say effective, I mean, just to be clear, I think everybody knows, but you're not saying like truly effective parenting, but it's effective no. at enforcing compliance or getting kids to do what we want, like in the moment, Right. Um, and I think part of the reason is it's so devastating uh, for kids to to implicitly or explicitly receive the message that, like, at your core, you aren't lovable, and and you're like you're not okay, 
you know, and, and you have to do something besides be yourself to be loved and to mm. be accepted. Mm. And that I yeah. think is why it's so effective is it's just so <laughs> devastating for, for kids. And I think the other thing, this is just a discovery that I made through, you know, therapy and, and, um, you know, just growth, uh, was that oftentimes it like, it stems from my own shame. Like, you know, that, that's the, the reason that we end up shaming others, including our kids is we, we don't have a sense of our own lovability and our okayness. Right. Um, and when we end up, as you were saying before, Matt, like we end up sort of, uh, shaming others to try to get them to not do things that bring up our own feelings of shame. Right. Um, so the, you know, the classic example is the, you know, the kid who's not obeying. And so I feel the shame of like, maybe I'm a bad dad. Maybe that's what that means. You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible parent. So I feel that shame when they disobey my instructions. And so in order to prevent me from feeling that, I try to shame them into obeying. Does that make sense? So there's like this projection thing that happens. And I think yeah, dude. it's, it's, you know, we got to, we got to deal with our own sense of shame um, before we're going to be able to actually get out of this pitfall. Yeah. And, and to, and to parent for character development rather than just immediate obedience or whatever, mm-hmm. it means that we have to differentiate our children's choices from their identity, mm-hmm. right? For yes. them yeah, exactly. and for us. Yep. And so their choice isn't who they are. Um, whether that's like, you know, in a, in a case where, you know, a child chooses to do the wrong thing, that's still not their identity. It's a oh, poor choice. Yeah but they're not a bad kid. Um, And we need to speak that over them. We need to model that, but we also need to believe that ourselves. Yeah. This is, I mean, I I just want to bring back, you know, it's not you, it's everything. Um, That that's, I mean, that's a book that Eric Minton wrote, but it's also something that I've like fairly recently just been coming to grips with is like the kid who disobeys. So for example, we oftentimes immediately and instinctively attribute that to like 100% of the responsibility for that behavior is located inside the child, right? It stems from their own, you know, whatever, you know, just it stems from inside the child. But I think what we're learning is that there are tons of environmental factors. There's tons of cultural factors that go into the ways that we are, um, you know, like mentally unhealthy and, struggling and, you know, even health thing, like there's all kinds of reasons located outside the child mm-hmm. for yeah. all kinds of bad behavior, you know? And I think it's yep. really, really important to just keep that in mind that like we live in a society that is inhospitable to these kinds of relationships. And so we are working against the grain always. If we want to have, if we want to have, you know, a good relationship with our kids and parent well, or if we want to like be Christians and like love one another. Well, we are working against the grain of our culture and we have to keep that in mind that, that that's, it's not all located inside of people. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, you may, you may need to hit pause on this podcast and uh, go scream into the abyss. <laughs> uh, call your adult children and apologize. Yeah, um, hug your, hug your worse. little yeah. toddler or sleeping infant. We'll be right back. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to the show. I just want to, again, say... Um, these things are hard to talk about because we do feel a lot of guilt and shame, yeah. insecurity, insufficiencies, yeah. uh, and you're you're okay, listener. Mm-hmm. You're okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the ways that God's love is sovereign is that God loves holds all of this and you. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, continue to uh, take deep breaths. We've got three four more. down and three to go. Three more. Number five is hover parenting. Yeah, hover parenting is when you do for your kid what they should learn to do for themselves. Um, so you... Sh- are you apl- saying I shouldn't be wiping my 14-year-old's butt? <laughs> that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, good. good I'm not doing that. Yeah. But uh, this just confirms that I've made the right choice in that just, case. I'm killing it right yeah. now. I'm, when he gets off the bus today, I'm going to be like, guess what? Yeah. Is, Nailed it. Is, <laughs> Nailed is it. this similar to uh, what I've heard also called helicopter parenting? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like uh, Love and Logic kind of does like a helicopter parent thing. Okay. It's, you know, when you apologize to a babysitter because your children disbeh- like misbehaved and rather than having your child apologize to, you know. Yeah. Or um, I recently actually was talking to a college student um, and she huh. – failed. She failed out of her freshman year mm-hmm. and she came home and I said, tell me what happened. And she's like, well, my dad did all my homework in high school. Wow. He wrote all my English oh, papers. Holy cow. Right. And so he, he didn't teach his child um, to take responsibility wow. and just did it for her. And so I think the antidote to this is natural consequences. You know, if, if that freshman in college would have learned her freshman year in high school, how to write a paper, mm-hmm. <laughs> how to have an argument and be able to do grammar and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. She, you know, it would have really helped her. I mm-hmm. mean, she might've not done great in a freshman English class in high school, but she would have been able to go through college. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, I think there is a, a good place for natural consequences for, for kids. And, um, yeah. and it teaches that they've got to take some responsibility for themselves. Yes. Yes, it's super hard to watch your kids um, fail and struggle. Um, and it's a big temptation, I think, um, you know, for, for good reasons. Like you, you care about your kids. You don't want them to fail. You don't want them to struggle. And right. so let me just take care of this for you. And so this is, this is one that we're um, – and this, I think it takes a lot of calibration and uh, willingness to sort of just make a mistake and not, you know, not realize, oh, this is something that they could have handled or should have handled and – that kind of thing. And I, I've noticed this as our kids, so I, we've, our youngest now is getting ready to go off to college or something next year, not high school. You know, it's like there's um, something different <laughs> is happening for her. And I've, I've, my wife and I have found it interesting to try to navigate how much help do our kids need, right, to sort of get, get on their feet. Like what, what do they need from us that would actually empower them to grow in responsibility, become, you know, fully self-sufficient adults, mm-hmm. like – and what is what is us like making excuses for them or propping them up, you know, um, when right. when they need to learn how to walk on that uh, leg instead of uh, use the crutches forever? So it's it's hard to know. 
uh, sometimes. But I think just having the awareness of there is such a thing as taking too much responsibility is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, one of the things I notice is that um, there's two there's two parts of this that are tricky for me. One is there's there's some there's some failures my kids can do that are good for them and some that aren't and knowing how to discern like what's a failure to let my kid experience and then what's a failure to intercede on their behalf so that they can not experience. Um, So that's, I'm noticing that there's, there's discernment in that for me. And the other thing I'm noticing is that, Often when I'm tempted to take responsibility for my kids in ways that aren't beneficial for them, uh, again, um, th- I, I'm seeking to rescue them from something because I need that. Yeah. I'm over-identifying yeah. with them or I see this reflection on me, you know? Um, and like, like, for instance, one of the things is, I don't know why this bothers me, but when my kids get... Uh, when my kids get amazing things and they're not grateful or appreciative, it just grinds my gears. Mm-hmm. And it grinds my gears like if they don't say thank you or this was great or I really enjoyed that to me. But it's even more so when it's like somebody else is giving them something amazing and they don't express gratitude towards them and I'm, I'm there with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, I want to like micromanage their gratitude. (laughs) Right. Cause uh, it's somehow speaking into your own identity and what that person thinks of you. Right. right? Sure. Like, you know, I I'm raising entitled kids or something, you know, the the flip side of that, Matt is when we just close our eyes to what they're doing and pretend like they're not doing it. Right. right? Which, which is the next one that we is called blind parenting. Oh. And that really hmm. is when we pretend like everything is fine rather than actively discerning how to engage. Mm. Right. Yeah. Cause you're on the other side. You're saying, I want to, I want to know how to engage. But the flip side of that is when people are just like closing their eyes to whatever their kid is doing. And, and that can be like simple things of like your elementary kid says that they're not hungry or they have a tummy ache because you made stuffed peppers. Mm-hmm. which happened last night at my house for dinner. And I was like, <laughs> that's weirdly you guys, you don't have, Oh, I see. You don't have a stomach ache. You just don't want to eat stuffed peppers. Yeah. Right. Um, but it, it more serious. Like I was recently talking to a, a parent and their high school kid, um, after the basketball game said like, Hey, um, I'm going to go to a, a party, um, and I'll get a ride home after. And the mom was like, well, where are you going to be? And he's like, well, I'm just going to be at a party. Well, who are you going to be with? Well, I don't need to tell you. And so the mom like looked at the dad and was like, we're not going to let him go. And he was like, oh, he's fine. I'm like, whoa, like you need to know who, where your kid is, who they're with, what they're doing. Like that is parenting, you know, Um, an even more severe case is uh, if the school calls and says, we're noticing some potential warning signs of depression or, um, you know, suicidal ideation and you do nothing about it. That is blind parenting. You're training your child to navigate life on their own without any wisdom from you. And Mm. that is not, that's not their role yet. They're not an adult yet. They need you as a parent. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing, Christy, like, as I think through, like, when this becomes attractive to me, it's when I'm really in touch with maybe one of these other things you've talked about, like like the shame parenting or uh, the get-off-the-shed parenting. <laughs> and, I, and I want to just stay away from that, and I end up just, like, checking out. Yeah. I end up, like, shutting down, pulling away, and just not engaging my kids at all mm. because I'm so maybe uh, allergic or aware that – I, I, you know, my my normal instincts aren't helpful. Yeah. So rather than hurt, I'm just going to go off the grid. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that, yeah. And it, there, it, sorry, I was just going to say there could be some wisdom in temporarily like taking a break, right? So that you don't hurt or harm. <laughs> sure. Um, but I think uh, blind parenting would be just never, never return to it, right? So just sort of check out and just think, well, I'll, you know, I'll try next time instead of returning to it and having a conversation about it. Yeah. Right. We have to engage. Uh, we have to be actively engaging with our kids. Yeah. And sometimes we're going to need a break. Like sometimes you got to go for a walk. You got to like, right. we're going to deal with that tomorrow, but you're still going to deal with it. Yeah. You're not going to like just a blindly assume that things will probably be okay. Um, yes. You got to get engaged. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Well, last All right number seven. Go. Yeah. We've done number talk, seven. bribe, excuse, shame, hover, blind. And the last one is backwards parenting. parenting. And backwards parenting is parents just putting their children in charge of defining the way that life works. Oh, Oh, I thought thought you said backwoods parenting. (laughs) I'm like, like, that's a different kind of parenting. (laughs) (laughs) What do you got against rural folks? Backwards. Backwards. Okay. Backwards. Where you become like kind of the the made-to-order cook for breakfast and just do whatever your kids want. Um, if you have mm-hmm. six children, then you're making six different breakfasts. Mm-hmm. You guys don't do that. That's ridiculous. Okay. Um, Avoid this. Super time consuming yeah. and doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but it, ultimately, your your kid then expects to get whatever they want whenever they want it. Yeah. 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 Which oh is not a realistic, uh, that's, you know, it's going to, that's not how life works. And so they're going to no. have a rude awakening. You're not, you're not preparing them well. Yeah. Right. What are, right. what are, um, uh, you know, I will admit that this one did not take place, uh, very commonly in our home. Um, but I, I wonder what the reasons are. I have, I have noticed, um, there's more of it, this like helicopter parenting and backwards parenting. I think there's more of it nowadays than there used to be. Like, you know, when, when I, when I grew up, um, and I, and I, I think some of that is probably related to like trauma from, you know, shame parenting, mm-hmm. something like that. And, and we've, as parents have sort of made vows, like I'm never going to do this to my kids, but then it's sure. easy, I think, to end up in these kind, these other kinds of ways of actually not serving our children as well, where it's like, well, now I'm just going to, I'm going to be my kid's best friend and their maid and their servant. Um, and that'll do it. That'll help them grow up like with a healthy sense of self or whatever. And it, it's, it's just, sort I of think it comes from problems. a good space. Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes from a place of like, I want yeah, my kid to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they, yeah. they think I'm going to let my child be the center of my whole world right. and I'm going to do all this stuff from because I love them. Mm-hmm. But the reality is then they just think it's all about them. Right. And they, yeah. and they, th- you can love them even by giving them limited options at limited times. Right. And giving yeah. them choice. Yeah. Um, but not just doing whatever they want yeah. whenever they yes. want it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important. Um, Maybe because because it is oftentimes born of, I mean, all of these. Honestly, I think all of these parenting mistakes are 
they do stem from us trying to do good things for our kids, honestly. Absolutely. Right? So I think that's important mm-hmm. to say that that has helped me tremendously um, to have some compassion for myself is to realize like even, even in my worst moments, what I'm trying to do, right, is like achieve some kind of goodness for myself or for my kids, right? It's just like terribly broken, misguided, but, but at the core, we're trying to like raise good kids. We're trying to like love our children and love ourselves. We're trying to figure this out. Um, and so I think, you know, I think it's important for us to just recognize that and to recognize that we do make these mistakes out, out of a desire to love. And so correcting these mistakes is, is how to basically truly and more deeply and more effectively love our kids. Yeah. Right. So we end up treating them as the center of attention out of a desire to love them, but it's actually helpful for us to realize that isn't actually loving them because that's not preparing them for life that is not going to revolve around them. You know? Yes. So let me make sure I got this right. So, <clears throat> um, I shouldn't ask my 14 year old to wipe my butt either. Like that would be backwards. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I like the jokes at the end of our podcast more than those comments. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, all joking aside about uh, poop, um, I, I think that a lot of us, uh, a lot of adults, never felt like they received what they needed from their parents. Um, and, so, and so, part of one of the things that I find um, most common in me, like, is, uh, is especially the backwards parenting is some of us just don't feel like we know what it looks like to be a parent. Yeah. Uh, but we do know what it's like to be a friend or a buddy. Hmm. Yeah. Right? So that's much more comfortable yeah. for us, right? I, I, I know how to be a friend. I know how to be a peer. Um, but then when it comes to like, no, there's some responsibility I have with authority right. in your life. But what, what the heck does that look mm-hmm. like? I mean, maybe your parents were, you know, uh, domineering and abusive, or maybe other authority figures have been domineering and abusive. And so there's no model for how to be uh, a a good generative presence. And so I think that's one of the, that's one, one of the reasons why this feels like a good idea. You know what I'm saying? It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We don't know what it's like to carry authority. Yeah. I, I am wondering, uh, uh, you know, we've listed these seven now, talk, parenting, bribe, excuse, shame, hover, blind, and backwards. Um, We're kind of running short on time, but we probably need to do like a podcast of like some things we're learning about. Like we've referenced them a bit here, you know, but maybe maybe a follow-up podcast of like ways that we're Practices and commitments we have as parents that we actually would wish on other people, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. would that be a good, uh, maybe follow up to this? Yeah. Maybe our listeners even have some of those that they're doing, Oh yeah, you know, that we can learn from them because I think that that'd be really helpful. Yeah. Um, you know, what are the, what are the practices? What are the rhythms that, um, you found to be helpful mm. and, yeah impactful mm-hmm. as you parent your children. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear from, from listeners on that. And then I'd also love to hear like, what, what are we missing? What are the other kinds of parenting styles that you're like, um, you know, whether it's a mistake or 
maybe a positive one mm-hmm. of like, this is really, yeah. let's talk about this too. So cool. Yeah. We don't have two hours. Yeah. We just have one. Just so one. Yeah. Just one. I mean, we can record yeah. as long as we want, but uh, our listeners are accustomed <laughs> to, uh, not to our podcasts. So, yeah. all right. Well, Christy, th- I appreciate you compiling these. This is your compilation. Yeah. You, you and Paul kind of yeah. pulled this together. I think you should write an article yep. uh, about all these. I think that would be really um, helpful. So yeah. Thank you for bringing them Thank to you. us well, and leading us today. Yeah. Give yourself grace. Amen. We'll give ourselves grace as we parent and, um, Peace, friends. Peace. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Joining our Gravity community is free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the podcast, and you can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start record button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.